Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Hello there, listeners. Just wanted to give you a heads up that this podcast is not for kids. We will swear in stuff. Also, in this episode, we talk frankly about miscarriage. That section happens around 14 minutes in and runs for about five minutes, just in case you want to skip it. And welcome to SciShow Tangents. It's the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. Today, we are joined by these, I am joined by these three friends. You are joined by all four of us. Mm, It's you and us and whoever else is in the room with you. We're in your ears. And maybe we're right there inside your ears. We've got Stefan Chin, producer of SciShow, maker of graphics, editor of videos, also, noise engineer. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, accurate. Uh, uh, what's your tagline? Oh, no. <laughs> That's good. We've also joined by Sam Schultz. Hello, Sam. Hey, how are you? Yeah, artist and millionaire. What's your tagline? <laughs> I'm so happy now. <laughs> I was so tired, and now I'm a bit energized. That's oh, my good. tagline. And we've also got over here on the Science Catch with me, Sari Riley. Hello. Writer for SciShow and science communicator. What's your tagline? Eggplant surprise. And I'm Hank Green. I created SciShow with the help of a bunch of these great people. My tagline is get busy with the fizzy. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us today. This is a show called Tangents in which we get together. We try to one up each other, try to amaze each other, try to delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory. 
but we are also playing for Hank Bucks. We start out at zero every time. So we award Hank Bucks and we do everything that we can to stay on topic. But of course, we are going to fail at that. That's why it's called Tangents. And if you want to intentionally go on a tangent, it behooves you to spend a Hank Buck to do that. And since none of us have any right now, mm. we have to stay on topic. Oh, God. Mm. Stay on topic. Stay on topic. Stay on topic. <laughs> Is that like Star Wars? Yeah, that was Star <laughs> Wars. <laughs> now, cool. as always, to introduce this week's topic, for the traditional science poem, we have Sari Riley. Sometimes science gets fiction mixed into the fact alien signals from a microwave are the worst first contact, or wars where the crimes were lies about bones, missing links that stink because they're stitched together stones. It takes one bad egg to turn a field into farce, but we recover and rebuild and research to parse the latest piltdown man or Bigfoot sighting in the trees. Every hoax will be toast with the right expertise. Ooh, hey. that was very nice. <laughs> it was very long. It was very good. <laughs> so like medium long. I feel like the longer the poem, the better it is. <laughs> more rhymes. It means you had so to think of more rhymes. rhymes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You worked harder <laughs> yeah. on it. So our topic today is hoaxes. Yeah. And I guess we don't need Sari to explain what a hoax is, but you like referenced several actual yeah. science hoaxes. Hopefully yeah. no one's talking Seriously. about any of those. Yeah, you're trying to ruin everything. <laughs> so sorry, I tried to pick the ones that everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. The, the more famous ones. Of yeah. course, everyone knows all of those hoaxes. (laughs) So that is, of course, a big part of science is getting stuff wrong, sometimes getting stuff wrong because people intentionally led you to think a wrong thing, which jerks. Yeah, Come on, what's even motivating you? Maybe they wanted the world to be more interesting. The world is so interesting. There's not no Bigfoots, though. There's no Bigfoots. I have pretty big feet. Oh, excuse Should me. We call Are you, you Bigfoot? Foot? You can if you want, but I I, I immediately feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. How's it going, Bigfoot? Nope. <laughs> take, take it back. It's your podcast nickname. Does it anybody, get who else gets a podcast? What's your podcast nickname? Sam. That's not a podcast nickname. <laughs> okay, mine you. is Sam. Uh, okay. No. Sari is Sam. Sam is Hot Fries. Hot oh. Fries. I don't want to be Hot hey Fries. Hey there. Hot Fries. This is bullying. Call fries. her Sam. <laughs> Try it. See how she likes it. <laughs> hey, Sam. That'd be great. <laughs> Stupid. You're a great a person. So. <laughs> so we're going to get started with... So Truth or Fail is the section of the podcast where one of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment. I'm going to present three medical conditions. Okay. Two of them are real. And one of them is a hoax. Hmm. And so you have to figure out which one oh. the hoax is. The first one is Jeep Butt. <laughs> and that's, that's a good s- name. That's the fake one. <laughs> Hold on. Can, can Jeep Butt be your podcast nickname? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So Jeep Butt is a skin infection or growth at the top of the butt crack from the bumpy ride of a Jeep. Number two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number oh, two, okay. surfer's ear, which is an abnormal bone growth in the ear canal from the exposure to cold wind and water. Okay. That sounds okay. real. Yeah. Did they also get exposed to Jeeps? Yeah. On their butts? <laughs> no, on their ears. Oh. Oh. Jeep ear. That's just like going deaf from. <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't put your ear Jeeps, on a Jeep. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So the third one is cello scrotum. <laughs> And this is an irritation of the scrotal skin from extended cello playing. Oh, uh, wow. Well, I guess. Do you straddle cellos? Yeah, to play I think them? you do. I mean, I've never played a cello. 
I've seen it happen, I can't but remember. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the groin area. <laughs> I can't remember where your crotch is on the cello when you're playing it. But I think you're kind of like, it's there. It's crazy. I feel like yeah. I've heard of cello scrotum. Sounds real to me. I mean, Jeep butt definitely sounds like the fake one, but that makes me think that it might not be the fake one. I bet yeah. Jeep butt, that sounds like something that an army man would name something. So I bet it's from like Vietnam. He's like, I got a Jeep butt. <laughs> Back in Nam, came away Jeep yeah. butt. Yeah, I've been Ain't living been it with my whole life, Nam, because yeah. of the Jeep butt. So I think that one's real. Okay. I don't. No, I don't think <laughs> Jeep butt's real. I'm not listen to you. Do we have a double agent? Is this a game of werewolf now? What's happening? I, I feel like, like he's. Werewolf. I feel like he's trying to draw us into Jeep butt. Well, I'm gonna I don't pick know. Jeep <laughs> I'm. I, it's going to be really hard for me not to go with Jeep butt. Yeah, what are you yeah. going to do now, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Only a coward doesn't go with Jeep butt. <laughs> no, I think Jeep butt is the most fake. Oh, sounding. that's the fake one. Oh, it's different. I'm all mixed up now. I <laughs> yeah, I think uh, cello scrotum sounds real enough. I feel like, like cello scrotum must exist, but maybe it's something different. What if surfer ear is so boring and normal that that's the fake one, though? I know. That seems uh, that seems completely possible. But I also feel me. like I've heard of surfer ear, too. I feel like surfing's a dangerous sport, so I would believe that something weird would happen because of water and wind. Will you describe what happens because of water and wind one more time? It's an abnormal bone growth. Oh, Bones. Bone. Those are way down in there. But in your ear canal, if it's vibrating enough. And it's cold and there's cold water. Uh, uh, we got to mix it up, you guys. We can't all go with a Jeep butt. <laughs> I'm not going with Jeep butt. Okay. Oh, you're not? I'm going with Surfer Ear. Okay. That's okay. the fake one, right? That, yeah. Fake one, Sam yeah. thinks that Surfer Ear is the fake one. Yes. He's really having a hard time locking in on it. I'm it's four o'clock. You <laughs> shouldn't be that drunk. I worked all day. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Should we just do like complete variation? You I'm going to yeah. go with cello scrotum. Okay. Jeep butt. I'm going to knuckle Ooh, down with Jeep one butt. I got to mix yeah. it all up. So it was cello scrotum was the host. Hey! Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Cello so, scrotum is a different disease. It's just when your scrotum looks like a cello. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just like is that a disease? In the Size or just <laughs> size or just yeah, I don't yeah. know. Or that you can play musical tones on it. Yeah, and they sound luxurious like a cello. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <laughs> I, I want to continue down this path, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have to spend your only Hank buck. Yeah. So someone had written into the British Medical Journal saying that they had encountered a few patients who had guitar nipple mm. from practicing. Um, yeah. From practicing. <laughs> I can see. Like, totally see it. It sounds yeah, like you've it. suffered from guitar nipple. No, I'm just very thinking of where guitars go. I can see where. Yeah. Why, how that would yeah. Happen. And similar to joggers nipple, which is right. like a more oh, common thing. We yeah. all know the pain. Of we all know the pain. I actually do. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I have very sensitive nipples. <laughs> <laughs> so in that first letter where they talk about guitar nipple, this doctor was asking if anyone else had experienced this in their patients. And so another doctor wrote in to the journal with a case report that they had seen cello scrotum. And then that was in 1974. And they finally admitted that it was a hoax letter in 2009. Like pretty low consequence hoax, but kind of silly. Right. So cello scrotum was a thing. For 20 years, yeah. but never was a thing. But was not actually a thing. There it is. It's Apparently, a medical condition. The, the position that you sit in to play a cello, it would be very difficult to actually irritate the scrotum. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't pay a lot of attention. Yeah, but if any of us had played cello, we would have known that. We'd right. like, there's no way you can get your scrot onto a cello. I mean, there is a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always a there's way. There's always a way. So Jeep Butt is known as 
pilonidal disease. So it's a skin infection or a cyst that occurs usually at the top of the butt crack. There can be yellow or bloody discharge and, quote, unexpected moisture as well as pain. Uh, and some people think... It's my like, least favorite kind of moisture. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in your butt. Yeah. yeah. They think it might be caused by ingrown hair, but one of the risk factors seems to be prolonged sitting, and it was apparently pretty widespread in World War II. Uh, and so, close. So, yeah, and it was mostly like Jeep drivers who were getting it. And so they, they thought it was because of the bumpy ride. Because you're bumping the, all around yeah. in the mm-hmm. streets mm-hmm. of Jeep Europe butt. trying to fight the Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. According to the Wikipedia page, it's called Jeep Bottom. <laughs> sure. Jeep Bottom. Jeep Butt. Jeep <laughs> Same shit. And then Surfer's Ear. Surfer's Ear. Also so Surfer's Ear. That one's pretty straightforward. Apparently, most avid surfers have extra bone growth in their ear canal. Wow. That's from irritation from cold wind and water. I didn't realize that that would trigger bone growth, but apparently yeah. it does. There can be so much growth that it will like trap water and wax in there, and then you can get ear infections from that. What? Mm. How fast does a bone grow? So mm-hmm. most of the people who get it are in their 30s or 40s, so they've been surfing their for like lives. decades. Okay. Yeah, okay. but bones can grow pretty fast. I guess that you get because they got to heal and stuff. Healed up. Yeah, that's true. yeah. yeah. like if you get braces, that's bone deconstructing and then reconstructing. Mm, hold on for a second. Wait a second. Are you gonna spend a Hank buck on this? Because I'm really curious. <laughs> <laughs> on braces, I, my can... my bones regrew when I got braces. I'll spend a Hank buck on this. So the way it works is when your braces are pulling on your teeth, it's increasing a biomechanical load on part of your jawbone. And in response to that pressure, the bone cells, there are several kinds of bone cells, the ones called osteoclasts, break it down in response to the pressure because they're like, something weird is pressing on me. Let's break down the bone cells and get rid of them so that this thing won't interfere won't cause a fracture and then when there's space on the other side of the tooth as your wire like pulls it into this gap gradually osteoblasts generate bone cell Mm. so they build it up around so like when you wear braces you're basically remodeling your jaw so how come sometimes they go back because something something must be pushing them in another direction yeah just like the growth of you or something (laughs) yeah uh, or new teeth because i that happened to me for sure where it was like and then it was like oh no yeah Uh -uh. (laughs) yeah no there's not enough space in there for that tooth Uh is that that the same kind of thing that's happening when you just wear really tiny shoes and it like probably some of that might happen probably. squeezes your feet in weird ways definitely bones change shape in right people who've had their feet binded huh. but yeah the, i always just assumed that it was like my teeth just got yanked just around until they like i don't know what i thought was happening <laughs> i don't know what i thought was happening but my teeth look very nice now, so thank mm-hmm. you to my orthodontists. I sort of feel like you, Hank, should have to spend the Hank buck there because you go oh, yeah. to Jerry into, into, into pursuing that. I guess that. that was kind of my tangent, but I did appreciate it. Very fine, yeah. zero, That's I'll right. do it zero, and That's only right. Stefan has Hank bucks. Oh, yeah. And speaking of Hank bucks, let's go make some George Washington bucks. Let's talk to our sponsors. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. 
but Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. And we're back. Let's go over the scores. Sam, how many points you got? I have none. Stefan, how many points you got? I've got two points. Sarah, how many points you got? I have none. I also have none, and I'm Hank. Oh, no. (laughs) Stefan's the one to beat, everybody. Now it is time for the Fact Off. Fact Off. Fact Off. off. Two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. The presentees each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that they like the most. However, if both facts are a giant snooze, the presentees can choose to not award their Hank Bucks and just throw them in the trash. And we're going to figure out who goes first by asking who is the person who lied most recently, I guess. Oh, God. Definitely. Well, I don't know. I'd be curious to know how much you lie. (laughs) <laughs> I probably lied right before I came downstairs. Really? Ooh. I probably lied to Marianne about how I could or couldn't do something. <laughs> In fact, I know I, I did. I haven't told a lie today, I don't think. You haven't told Ooh. a single lie today? I haven't talked to anybody today. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. So I guess I go first. Yeah, you big liar. Okay. <laughs> In 1726, a pregnant woman started feeling pains and then, probably because of a placental abnormality, miscarried. Then a couple of weeks later, she gave birth to a dead rabbit and then some more rabbit parts and then a very clear things that were definitely parts of a cat. And then, when respected doctors went to study her case, she, within hours of them arriving, gave birth to the head and torso of a rabbit. It being the very early days of newspapers, this story spread very far and very quickly, and many doctors and scientists agreed that there was a woman giving birth to rabbits, and they had ideas about why it was happening. That's it? That's it. What? What the hell? Who needs it? Her name was Mary Toft. What was she doing? Just and what were their ideas? Clearly, this was a hoax. Yes, well, it is the uh, the name of the episode <laughs> yes. today. Was Hoaxes. she putting them up there herself? Yes. So, but they were like parts. They found out later. Was they this... were not full rabbits. They were they were just they were not. She did give birth to some full but dead rabbits. She never gave uh, birth to a live rabbit. Was she just having a little fun? It was Ooh. apparently made easier by the miscarriage because mm-hmm. her cervix was dilated. Okay. And so she actually was putting them all the way up, which is terrifying. But before we get yeah. to the, the functionality of the hoax, I like I think the most interesting part is the reaction of the scientific community, which was like, They're well, like, oh. science is pretty new. And so and like <laughs> she told this story about how she and her friends were out in the fields, I think, working in the fields and they saw a rabbit and they all chased it together and she became so enamored of this rabbit and she couldn't stop thinking about this rabbit Uh, and then she started giving birth to rabbits yeah 
Well, I could see how that would be believable like 200 years ago. Yeah, I guess. It I mean, not like really, so, but... So enamored of rabbits that it yeah. just like got into her brain. Like literally this became a big enough story that people stopped eating rabbit because they oh. felt like this kinship with them. Huh. And then like oh. if a human could give birth to a rabbit, then we shouldn't be eating them. Where was this? In England. Uh Okay. Huh. And there's a cat in there somewhere too? Yeah, so it was almost all rabbits, but at one point there was like some cat parts. What? Okay. Yeah. I hate this. And like you could see yeah. like the cat paw Ugh. and fingers. So claws. who figured it out? Some people started to investigate. In hindsight, of course, this is dumb. But like if I'm the doctor and I arrive and a rabbit comes out of this woman who's clearly laboring, mm-hmm. mm. then like, I'd, like I'm not going to think that she's trying to fool me. Why would anyone do that? So you just assume that maybe this is a thing and let's let's start to test some hypotheses, I guess. So after this story started to get reported in the newspapers, some people started to do some research and found that there were some people like buying rabbits in the household Mm -hmm. and then bringing them to her. And she was like, oh, that was just for cooking. We just cooked them. That was a different rabbit than the ones I was giving birth to. But then eventually, after a lot of scrutiny, she admitted that she had orchestrated it because she wanted to hopefully get famous and maybe there would be money and she could be like a sideshow thing, the the rabbit birth lady. Uh, But it also became like a significant problem for science. Mm-hmm. Like it seriously lowered the esteem of mm-hmm. the doctors and scientists in the public imagination right. because it was like this big thing was happening. Scientists were saying like like the, what everything we know about how babies happen is wrong. But then it turned out that they were wrong about yeah. being wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was bad. How did they reconcile it with what they knew about reproduction? Were they just like, don't, we don't understand the they, uterus? They thought that they were breeding inside of her fallopian tubes. Ooh, they weird. thought like that like somehow like the essence of a rabbit got into her and uh. that they were like new baby rabbits were being. Because that like what we knew about human reproduction, maybe that isn't how rabbits work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that like this rabbit essence was sort of multiplying inside of her. And a cat. And a cat at one <laughs> point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the cat was about. <laughs> the, 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 it was nearby, I guess. Yeah. And she did get a nice long obituary when she died, but, you know, that doesn't seem to have had a particularly good life after the event. Uh, yeah. You know, just yeah. like normal. Normal or bad? There's very little that we know about her afterward. Yeah. There's like a, a report of her getting arrested at one point for receiving stolen goods. And that's all oh. we know. Okay. Well. So she was just kind of a scammer, maybe. Maybe a bit of a scammer. She but I don't know. Who hasn't received seems... a stolen good? <laughs> <laughs> Knowingly or unknowingly? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Actually, you know, and thinking like, but I, I have to think about it. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I have, but like, I've been it's alive possible. for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I forget so about it. You've probably pirated passed. an album. Oh yeah, no, I've definitely, no. I have definitely uh, distributed stolen goods Ooh. through BitTorrent and Napster. Oh my, lock them up, boys! Lock them up. <laughs> this is a sting operation. Not a podcast. This whole company this was whole... just a front to get you to admit to that. <laughs> to, get to admit that I like distributed copies of Full Metal Alchemist before they were available in America. Yeah, yeah, that was me. You're an anime criminal. The worst kind. <laughs> that's oh. what, that's my. Is that my podcast nickname? Anime, Anime criminal. criminal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Sam. My Sam's going too stupid. Okay. okay. 
1979, an aircraft tycoon and paranormal enthusiast gave the University of Washington in St. Louis $500,000 to set up a paranormal psychology laboratory. So they were studying psychokinetics, which was really popular because of Yuri Geller, who was like a really famous spoonbender on TV. And like a cult was just really popular back then in the 70s. So after a few months, they narrowed their testing down to these two dudes who it seemed like they could do all kinds of cool stuff. They could blow fuses with their hands. They could bend spoons with their minds. They could make propeller spin inside of things that seemed like they were all sealed up. Their names were Steve Shaw and Mike Edwards. So the lab studied them for three years, and then they brought their findings to the conference of the Parapsychological Association, which was a thing and I think still is a thing, but it was like kind of big in the 70s, I'm pretty sure. But at the conference, the researchers were confronted by a professional skeptic and stage magician named James Randi, who told them that the two men were plants and that for three years they had been tricking them with like sleight of hand and just like really run-of-the-mill magic tricks. So this Randy guy was trying to convince people that Yuri Geller was a fake and he'd been trying to convince people for years. So he hired these two dudes and he had written them letters while these two dudes were doing their tests. And he was like, these guys are fakes. You should have a magician here to make sure that the people that you're testing aren't fakes. But they didn't read his letters. So he was just sending these letters to him over and over again and nobody was looking at him. After that, none of the scientists, it seemed like ever really admitted that they got tricked, but the lab got shut down and it kind of like was a huge blow to the field of parapsychology. But basically they were just like, palming already blown fuses in their hands or like blowing on the propeller because they had like made a little <laughs> bitty crack in the glass dome or they just had like a spoon in their pocket that was already bent and they would be like hey look over there and the scientists would look over there and then they pull out the bent spoon <laughs> there was just oh. like they were using these little tricks to get them to not pay any attention and then it kind of like single-handedly took down the whole field of psychic research and probably for the best yeah mm-hmm. so yeah I, I've heard about this and James Randi is is like a famous yeah he was really famous famous. he and Yuri Geller were like they did the night show rounds yelling at each other Mm -hmm. and he was I, I mean I wasn't alive in the 70s but I was reading these articles and I was like how did these people ever believe this for a second but it seemed like a lot of people really were willing to think that Yuri Geller could like just make a spoon snap in half with his brain. Mm-hmm. It seems so weird to me. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess if if like you're good at sleight of hand, yeah, and you yeah. want someone to believe a fake thing, yeah. the The strange thing to me is the person who's like, "Look, I fake bend spoons, yeah, and I want to create a department <laughs> of studying." Fake spoon bending. Yeah. As if it's real. Right. Because what's the end game? Well, you find <laughs> out that it's fake. <laughs> they if, were... it's, if you know it's fake and you and then it's like, let's study this, you're going to study it and find out that it's fake. If you're trying to lie. I think more it's like, so there were people who believed it was real. Like this guy who gave them $500,000. Right. He was just an eccentric millionaire. Uh-huh. So he gave them all this money. But then Yuri Geller was being studied in a lab too. But I don't know what his end game is to be like, study me. Please, I can bend these spoons. I guess, but, but he, he knows he can't. But he knows he can trick them, maybe. Right, and that'll just make and that him feels good, more and rich, him more and famous. Yeah, more famous. Yeah, and he's this somebody is... who's also never admitted that he's fake. Oh, he's still going around saying that he's real. Huh. So. I mean, it's just so easy to study whether yeah. or not somebody's actually bending a spoon. Yeah. Well, so after these two guys came out as frauds. They didn't believe Randy at first, so they brought them back and they did tests where they had tightened up all of the parameters of their test. And then they were like, oh, these guys aren't real. 
Because <laughs> the guys would be like, hey, turn that camera around. And then they would do it. And then they'd just like open the envelope they were supposed to be seeing through. So he was just trying to prove, I guess, that you believe what you want to believe. But yeah. why? Why would you want to believe that? <laughs> well, I mean, like, well, what you want as a scientist is that breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. If this was real, I can understand wanting to be the scientist who's like, we That's proved true. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't understand being the fake person and being like, Thinking that you can just fool right. people who are trying to prove something. Yeah, especially if you're not trying to, like, trick them. If you're just trying to make them think that you're cool. But, like, the CIA was studying this stuff, trying to yeah. get, like, psychic assassins and all that. <laughs> Maybe they got them, and that's why we don't hear about it anymore. Oh. Well, I feel like there's people who would have been psychically assassinated if it, well, was, if it was possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like me. Oh, no. no. I haven't done anything wrong. Except for that You distributed the anime. (laughs) (laughs) And you lied to Mary. I did. (laughs) That's basically how I feel about all of these hoaxes, especially post-internet. I'm like, why would you stake your scientific career on making this amazing claim Mm -hmm. when, like, you know, you know you're going to get caught? You know you're going to get caught. How do you, how do they convince themselves that they're not going to get caught? I feel like some of the claims are more subtle, though, and they just like get wrapped up in the idea yeah. of this is a really cool new discovery. No one else has found it. And because I'm special, yeah. I'm going to be the one to do it. And then it's easy to get defensive when people start saying that you're lying and just be like, yeah, uh-uh. you just don't understand mm. what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's like, no, I'm just I just need to do more experiments to see. Like mm-hmm. the, the data is not perfect, but <laughs> right. I can do more. Well, yeah. there's and there's things like trying to influence how many marbles fall through a thing. And then you can like mess with like the data as it comes out. If you're trying to manipulate it as the scientist mm-hmm. or you're just trying to create like things that are less obvious than like, oh. Fan spinning or knowing what's inside of a letter. Like those Mm -hmm. things are just so easy to test, which is why we know they're not real. Yeah. Exactly what I was trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Sari, who are you who are you assigning a Hank Buck? Oh right. I gotta do the rabbit. Uterus. Rabbit uterus. I think I'm also gonna go with the rabbit. Oh, two Hank Bucks for Hank. Fuck both of you guys. It is so weird man I'm a, I got two Hank bucks now I feel like I need All to right. go tangent yeah what are your tangents <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens when we head over to ask the science couch we collect questions from listeners to get answered by our finely honed scientific minds over here from Deckdat on Twitter was the MMR vaccine autism thing a hoax or just terrible science hmm so here's how the science couch works. I say what I think, and then Sari <laughs> says the true thing. My guess is it's a situation where you start to see a correlation or that public starts to see a correlation. They worry about it. And even before any science is done, this is just something that is like people are starting yeah. to believe. And then like if you're doing a lot of research, you can tend to find some studies that are showing a correlation just because like if you do enough samples, you'll find a false positive. And then once you have that, you might end up having some people who are motivated by the wrong things doing studies that are intentionally going to lead to more false positives and also saying things that are basically just there to help you sell books. So a combination of both? Yeah, I think the 
last thing you said is the most accurate to what actually, okay. to my knowledge, <laughs> kicked off this whole bad thing, mm -hmm. this objectively bad thing that happened to our society. So this big start to the MMR vaccine autism thing, MMR stands for measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. Diseases. Diseases, yeah. three diseases. It's usually an attenuated virus vaccine. So they give you like weakened viruses, builds your immune response whatever, good for babies because you don't want them to get any of those diseases. And it's a combination vaccine, so you get three viruses in you at once. All of this hype around not using the MMR vaccine is traced back to one paper that was just some of the most fraudulent science that oh, you could ever really do. Was. It really was. It, it was garbage. It was like absolute garbage. On February 28th, 1998, a doctor who was at the time a doctor now has been disbanded from all that, named Andrew Wakefield. <laughs> disbanded from all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed to be involved no, with being a doctor a anymore. man. So him and 12 of his colleagues, so it was a lot of oh. authors on this paper, published a paper in The Lancet, which is a peer-reviewed journal in the UK which suggested that the MMR vaccine may predispose to autism in children or any sort of like mental behavioral regression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in 2004, there was a retraction of the original data. 10 of the 12 authors were like, oh, yikes, this is bad. And then the paper was fully retracted in 2010, but it took them like over a decade to huh. fully retract the paper. Hmm. It was retracted for so many reasons and I will list them all. <laughs> <laughs> it was a combination of really, really bad research and like really bad ethical violations that he just conducted these in experiments in horrible ways. He was experimenting on children basically without mm. parents' consent about what was happening and without needing to do those experiments. Yeah. It was a small case study. So there were only 12 children involved huh. and no controls. Mm. And huh. eight of the 12 had some sort of mental regression, as he categorized it. And he lied about them having no symptoms before the MMR vaccine, because I think five of them already had some sort of behavioral abnormalities. But he was like, they were all fine before the vaccine. And then within a week or two after getting the vaccine, oh. they all wow. developed symptoms. Hmm. But really, the timelines were all different. There's one reporter that really unpacked a lot of this when he talked to parents. The parents were like, like here are medical records showing the timelines of all these things. All the things that he reported in the paper are condensed and manipulated data. He did selective sampling, which is choosing specific children to include in the final study mm -hmm. rather than consecutive sampling, which is when yeah. you go into research and just like any child who meets this criteria, you include them in your study to have a big sample size. Yeah. But he like handpicked children from different circumstances to like skew the results toward what he wanted. It was immediately refuted by other studies afterward. <laughs> he didn't disclose a conflict of interest. He was funded for at least 55,000 pounds from a legal board that was trying to prove that vaccines were unsafe mm -hmm. uh. as part of it. So he was making money off of this yeah. to have a certain conclusion in the study. And then like the ethics of what he did to children was ridiculous. Like he said that there was a trial going to happen, but did not get all the tests that he was going to conduct on the children approved by the board at the mm. hospital where he was doing this work. And he did tests like lumbar punctures to the spine and colonoscopies uh. that they didn't need uh. without their parent approval, I don't think. Wow. He paid children five pounds at his son's 10th birthday party to give blood samples that he wanted for his research. No, that he, seems like not right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's amazing I haven't heard this stuff before. It's bonkers. He lied to parents about how many children were involved in the study. Like there's one interview with a parent where this Dr. Wakefield said that my child was the 13th child that he had reviewed and this wasn't even 
like the last child, but he mm-hmm. only had 12 in the final study. So who knows how many he interviewed and then tried, chose to include. Right, mm-hmm. right. He tried out a new potential measles vaccine on a child in a hospital without putting on their medical records or anything oh. or asking permission beforehand. Okay. He wanted to do a trial of it. And his co-authors didn't always know what was going on. And so there was like a whole debate about how guilty they are and how mm-hmm. yeah. complicit they were with this research mm-hmm. because they just didn't review it before yeah. they did the thing. But anyway, Jeez. so like all this garbage stuff happened. Yeah. And then the paper was reported upon in such a way that it was just sensationalized yeah. news. Right. Like as soon as it was published, then news outlets picked it up and were like, they're linked. Yeah. He knuckled down on what he did and never like even through this really long retraction process, right. he stood behind yeah. the research that he huh. did, uh, which makes him a garbage human. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this way he can keep selling the books. Yeah. I guess. Why do they want him to attack vaccines or like disprove that they were good? Because they want to, I think they wanted to sue the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. I think it was like part of a larger legal battle. Sure. Like this is how I picture it. At least like the TV ads, like, did you have a, yeah. Did you have a relative do this? Did you have a relative have a bad reaction after a vaccine? Yeah. We'll fight your legal battle for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was being paid by those lawyers who were trying to bring that lawsuit. Wow. Great. Uh, Look what you did, buddy. Look what mm-hmm. you oh, did. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm surprised I'd never heard of any of that either. I mean, I knew about mm-hmm. Wakefield's study being retracted. I didn't know that it was so early. I had the idea yeah. in my head that it, this happened like after the activism started uh-huh. against vaccines and that this wasn't like a catalyzing moment huh. mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize how much went into this. And it was like such a long, hot button topic in the medical community to right. realize. And also, that, like, it was 12 people. It was 12 yeah. people. And so, like, it's very easy to do cohort studies once you're curious, like if there's like a legitimate thing to look at, mm-hmm. you could do big studies on people who have and have not had vaccines mm-hmm. yep. because like we have a lot of people who have had vaccines now. Yeah. And immediately afterward, a bunch of epidemiologists were like, no, this study is bullshit. Why are you reporting on it in this way? Right, right. But it just took off, took off. in the public right. consciousness like nothing mm-hmm. else before it when it mm-hmm. came to vaccines. Well, just bonkers. <clears throat> and, here we are. Yeah. And now yeah. here we are. <laughs> Vaccines are good people. Vaccines are good people. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're little guys. They swim around in your blood yeah. and they beat up the germs, right? They punch them. Yeah. 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 Sure. Osmosis Jones. Oh, like I like oh. him. He's a white blood cell. That's going to cost he, you a Hank buck. Excuse me. I don't have one. <laughs> I brought it she up. She said so Osmosis Jones. So let's take a look at the final score. And Stefan, I tied you. I have two uh, points. You have two points. Yay. Hank bucks, I mean. Good job. <laughs> so, this feels great. Sam has zero Hank bucks. Yeah, but I'm not last, am I? No, you're not, because Sari talked too much about Osmosis Jones and has negative one. Son of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) No such thing. No such thing as garbage or no such thing as too much Osmosis Jones? That. (laughs) (laughs) There's no such thing as garbage. (laughs) Everything is a precious resource. (laughs) If you want to ask the Science Couch some questions, you can tweet your question to us using the hashtag AskSciShow. If you like this show enough that you want to help us out, just like uh, do us a favor, there are several ways you can do that that are pretty easy. You can leave us a review on iTunes. That's very helpful. It helps us know what you think about the show and helps other people know what you think about the show. Second, tweet out your favorite moment because that will also help with both of those things. We want to thank Kevin Sang and Zombie Nature and everyone else who tweeted us your questions. And finally, if you want to show your love for tangents, just tell people about us. Thank you for joining. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Sam Schultz. And I've been Stefan Chin. This has been SciShow Tangents. SciShow Tangents is a co-production with WNYC Studios. It's produced by us and Kevin Hoffmeister. Our art and music are by Hiroka Matsushima and Joseph 
Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this stuff happen without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be ignited. One more thing. In July 2014, someone paid over $10,000 for a six million year old meter long fossil poop. Oh. That wasn't poop. Oh, was huh? it just a raw hot dog? What was it? Was <laughs> it a hot dog? <laughs> it was like fossilized mudish rock that just uh, solidified. How long a, was it? A meter, so 40 inches. It, it was so advertised like, oh, as elephant, long- dino. Dino. <sighs> Longest example of coprolite ever to be offered at auction was how oh, it was advertised. But it was, oh. but it was fake. Mm. Yeah. Fake on purpose or fake? They just thought it was poop. All the paleontologists like were like, don't market that as poop. Uh, and then the auction house is like, we're going to market it poop. as poop. Uh, poop mm. cells. Yeah. Poop cells. <laughs> <laughs>